0: What's new? How is the world treating you? I'm Ed Peters, and on behalf of Pastor Henry Harder and the Renewal Singers, I welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We move on today in our study in the book of Romans to chapter 12. This brings us now to the beginning of the final division in the book of Romans. You may recall that the first eight chapters of this epistle were doctrinal. The next three chapters were dispensational. Now the emphasis in this final section is on duty. We come now to the practical application of the theological arguments that Paul has placed before us. Now, as we proceed into this final section, we are going to see that the conduct of the Christian must be expressed by his relationship to those with whom he comes in contact, and these relationships must be regulated in some way. It is always so easy to put down rules of conduct, but Paul does not do this. He has just delivered us from the Mosaic law, and he did not do this in order to put us under another legal system. The child of God is not given rules and regulations. However, Paul does put down great principles that are to guide the believer. Dr. McGee expresses it in this way. The Holy Spirit is giving the believer a roadmap of life, showing the curves, but not the speed limit. He identifies the motels and the eating places, which he recommends, without commanding the believer to stop at any certain one. Detours are clearly marked, and there is a warning to avoid them. The city of Vanity Fair is named, and the routes of exit are clearly marked. The believer is told to leave without being given the exact route by which to leave. There are several routes. Now, here is the opening verse of Romans chapter 12, and Paul writes as follows. And so, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living sacrifice, holy, the kind he can accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Paul now turns to the practical application of all that he has said previously in this letter. This does not mean that he has not said anything about Christian living up to this point. Chapters 6 through 8 have touched on this already. But now Paul goes into detail to show that Jesus Christ is to be Lord of every area of life. These chapters are not a postscript to the great theological discussions in chapters 1 through 11. In a real sense, the entire letter has been directed toward the goal of showing that God demands our action as well as our believing and thinking. Faith expresses itself in obedience. Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder.
1: There is more to being a believer in Christ than just that. In the first 11 chapters of Paul's letter to the Romans, he focused his readers on the problem of how sinful man, both Jews and Gentiles, could become right with God. That's the doctrine or theological section of the book. But that isn't all there is. That demands some action. Doctrine is never taught in the Bible just to be known. So in the next section of this letter chapters 13 to 16, Paul focuses on the conduct of believers. Belief is both basic and necessary to behavior. Christian action is based on Christian doctrine. It is not based on feelings, on experience, or on some kind of legalism. Our conduct is based on our theology, in this case, on our union with Christ. So Paul spends the rest of the time on the question of conduct. How should we then live? I say again, doctrine is never taught just to be known. It is taught to be lived. Jesus once said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Doing is based on knowing. So Paul begins this doing part of this letter to the Romans with the word, therefore. That connects the doing to the knowing, the action to the doctrine. So here are the opening words of Paul in chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. The first thing that Paul urges the Christians to do is to present or offer their bodies as living sacrifices. Bodies refers to this physical flesh, blood, and bones bodies and includes the inner man. Hebrews viewed man as a unit, outer and inner. Now, why bodies? What is so important about our bodies? Why does Paul focus on that first? For several reasons. The first relates to philosophy. There were among those Greeks those who depreciated the body and sought to be liberated from it. They viewed the body as simply the receptacle for the soul. They looked forward to escaping from their bodies. That's why the resurrection was so distasteful to them. They wanted to be freed from these bodies, not bound to them for eternity, So, Paul counters that Greek way of thinking. While the first reason for Paul's statement may relate to philosophy, the second relates to eschatology, or to the future. Believers' bodies will be raised from the dead. With some crucial differences, they will be the same bodies which were buried. This body then has dignity, and it has eternity. This body was not made to decay and die. It was made to last forever. We were made for eternity. Take care of this body. The third reason is practical. Paul emphasized the body because it is through our physical bodies that the life of Christ is to be lived in every believer in this world. Our bodies are the vehicles through which Christ's life can be lived in us. The body is therefore of crucial importance. If it is the temple of the Holy Spirit, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, then care for this body is imperative. Our bodies make it possible for us to live out the truth Paul has talked about in the preceding chapters. So our bodies need to be laid on the altar like the ancient sacrifice. That's perhaps the most strategic thing a Christian can do. You see, life is lived on one of three levels Life is lived on the sensual level. I'm not talking about excesses necessarily, but about life that is ruled by our physical, bodily senses. We say, I don't like school or rock music or grapefruit. We say, that feels so good. We say, I'm too tired to go to church today, or I don't like John Doe because he has an accent or is another color Such statements belong to the physical senses, to touch, smell, taste, hear, and see. It's possible for a believer to be ruled only by the senses. Paul encourages us to get that body ruled by the senses on the altar. Or, more subtle yet, our life may be soulishly ruled, that is, ruled by the mind. The idea that if something isn't rational to our minds, that it isn't true. Or we may be ruled by our emotions. It seems that in some circles, a performance or a church service or even a motion picture is a failure unless we are overcome emotionally. We are that experience-centered and existentially oriented. Or we may be ruled by the will only. Our bodies need to be laid on the altar, and the Holy Spirit must take control. We need to live on a spiritual level, not just sensual or soulish. It is important that the Holy Spirit has control of this body so he can use it to glorify, honor, and praise Christ. Sometimes it is difficult to tell the difference between what is soulish and what is spiritual. It's hard to separate the two. There is only one instrument that can. The writer of the book called Hebrews wrote, The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit. God's word is the only sure critic, whether religion is begotten only by the flesh, only soulish, or by the spirit. So Paul begins this whole practical section of this letter to the Romans with the words, I urge you to offer your bodies with its mind, emotion, appetites, and will as a living sacrifice. That's an appeal to our wills. That's a volitional act. Do it. In the words of Paul, I urge you.
0: to Send
1: at His throne, footprints of Jesus that make the
0: pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus when.